You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Alex Mitchell. I know a lot about Middle Earth. Yeah, and I know that there were some rings or something. We're the hosts of the Podcast of the Rings. Join us as we deep dive into the lore of Middle Earth and cover the topics and people you might want to know about before the Rings of Power premieres on Amazon Prime, September 2nd. After that, we'll be doing an episode-by-episode recap and analysis once the series is live. Listen for a new episode every Tuesday. And until then, may our roads meet again. David, a good man. I am welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jessica. I'm 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 thrilled to be here, I guess. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, it's one thing it's one thing for me to say, "Hey, be on my podcast." And it's another when someone's like, "I will do this." I'll and, do this. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I'm it was so sort of, glad I sort of offered. bullied my way onto your podcast. I don't even know if, how many people listen to you, but yeah. I just enjoy talking to you, so that's, that's It's like that's what I'm saying. So like we were just talking right before is like it's got to hit a couple of things. Either you like the person and you're willing to do it or it's going to expose you to a lot of people. Right. And you got like a healthy uh, amount Let's put it this way. I have the kind of influence that makes six or seven people buy a video game that they otherwise <laughs> didn't think about buying. Uh, I'll take it. Micro-influencing. <laughs> and, I, and I can guarantee after talking about what we're going to talk about today, people will watch the movie and I'm That's excited good. for that. That's because fair. I want to talk to people about it. I'm excited to talk to you about it. But I want – I also am not going to introduce you. You need to introduce yourself. <laughs> Which is great. I need to introduce myself. Oh, that's interesting. You didn't warn me about that. Uh, What's to warn? You know who you are and what you do. I know who I am. I just might have written something. I'm David Goodman. I'm a writer. uh, I've been writing mostly for television since 1988. So long before Jessica was born. Nope, this shirt was 97. That was my fifth grade graduation year. So you should feel real good about that. All right. I, I, I don't feel as bad as I did. No, no. Um, so uh, mostly in comedy. I most recently was executive producer and a writer on the Orville, uh, Orville New Horizons. And uh, uh, most recently, the reason I'm on this podcast is I wrote a movie uh, called Honor Society, which is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Which is so exciting. And like for the crossover that we have with the Star Trek community, they already have Paramount Plus for right. all that stuff. So they're so going to, yeah. They should. And, and I, I, and I think actually, they have to have it, right? They have to have it, right? They, you can't not. I think that's how it all launched. I mean, it was all the, the CBS stuff, portal. All the Discovery and Strange New Worlds are all on that. So They don't air on the television, no. I don't think. Or at least they, they I do th- you later. Know, Pluto... Pluto, that streamer Pluto, has a Paramount or a Star Trek channel. And sometimes I've turned it on and I see uh, Lower Decks or Discovery, but it's not regular. That's interesting. What is? Yeah. What do you think about Lower Decks? Because you're a Star Trek Oh, it's person. great. I mean, you know, Mar- I know Mike really well. I've known Mike for years. And Mike McMahon who created it. And they're doing a great job. It's fun. So fun. I, I think it's my favorite new yeah. Trek, personally. Yeah. Um but and I would never disparage one of my like soapboxes about l- learning to love the Orville was like right. don't tell other people to stop watching 
the new Star no, Trek. No, there's room. There's you know, you can watch more than one cop show. I can't watch more than one spaceship show. But I, I think uh, there's like something that people feel like disenfranchised by by something that they loved and that it's not what they expected it to be, which I can understand that sort of disappointment. I think it's easy to hate. Yep. <laughs> I think I think hate is such a natural like stasis. Natural state for so many people. I, all of us. I I you know, I hate a lot of stuff. Uh but I uh I uh I think that uh you know, that's a way of getting attention by expressing your hatred of something. I I I don't know. I I watched Stranger Worlds. I think that's a great show. I've watched all of Discovery. It's fun. I've had some trouble with the first couple seasons of Picard, but I hear really good things about third season. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So and I've heard other people not like the first season, love the second season. Right. And right. I'm a little less discerning when it comes to that stuff. If I like it, I'm in. If I like the characters, right. I don't I don't care whether the season's amazing. Yeah. Um, it actually was a really interesting having the unique setting of like watching the Orville and having to critique it. um, It was so easy to critique it because it really was so good. And you said even before we had you on the show or even when we had you on the show before everything aired, it's a barn burner, which you can't say more than that for, you know, legal reasons, but also what (laughs) else can you say about that kind of season too? Right. But yeah, that was, it was an amazing season i hope we get another one but it was amazing amazing season i I mean we'll see and i and i also don't want people to miss the forest for the trees which is this was a great season that we got that's awesome let's not over worry about the future too you know you just want more you want more you leave wanting more but i mean i think i i know seth wants more and hopefully disney does so yeah i think we'll see and i feel good about it so i kind of because of the star trek thing like I said, I want to talk about Honor Society, but mostly just to gush about it because I can't stop thinking about it. Um, but Nichelle Nichols, you were the reason the Star Trek cast got together after the, however many years in order to do Futurama. Is that right? Well, got together is a loose, loose definition. The only <laughs> time they were in the same, the only ones that were in the same room with each other were uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Uh, everybody else recorded separately, but they we reunited them on as their characters on the show. But in an animated show, you record everybody, or you can record everybody separately, and we did that. But in order to get Shatner, he would only do it if he could record with Nimoy, which was a really, really interesting thing. Yeah, like Shatner. I mean, I this is I don't know if anybody cares about this now. It's it's twenty two years ago, but the but um, Shatner uh, was uh, didn't want to do it. Uh, he Got called it. us up. He he called us up. Uh, we'd gotten everybody, and and we'd gotten a a soft yes from his from his reps. But then he read the script and he really didn't like it. So he got on the phone with me and David Cohen and Matt Groening. And Shatner, I mean, he really ripped into the script. He said, well, I would do it if it was original or clever or, but it's not. And, and were you, you know, on this call? I was on this call. And, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Matt Groening, you know, this is, this is, uh, the Simpsons at this point has been on for 12 years. He, he does not need this in his life. No, no, <laughs> no. By anybody, you're not. And he was a, such a gentleman. And he and he and David said to 
to Bill, well, what could we do? What could what change could we make that would make you interested? And um, Shatner said, well, I wouldn't mind doing something that sort of honored my friendship with Leonard. Now, there was something going on with him and Leonard that year. I don't remember what it was, but there was something positive. Like they were doing stuff together. I don't remember. But it He's was probably like probably taking th- naked photos of Shatner maybe that or was it. So anyway, so um, so we we had I added a scene, and and we mentioned on the call, the scene is a is a joke scene, but it seemed to be enough for him. And but we we said on the call, what if we recorded you with Leonard? He said, well, I would love that. Yes. So those were what we did. That's what we did. And so that was so condition. we have. It was amazing having the two of them in the room together, and I have still have the recording of that of that session. I should release it or something, but it was uh, obviously very exciting for for uh, um, a Star Trek fan like me to have those two guys recording oh, together. Oh my god, it's got to be like ma- it, it would be like if I was in the room with the Beatles because you're talking about just like an electric right. chemistry that. Yeah, and they were having fun. They were joking around. They were ad libbing. Uh, it was it was very very fun. How cute! It's sad because it it's hard, it's sad to think about how the relationship ended, and we'll never know why because William Shatner will never reveal what rifted them toward the end. Um, oh, I, I didn't know. know if, was there was there a rift? I didn't know was, that. This is the hearsay of it all, and William Shatner does not talk about it, and he refers mm-hmm. to Nimoy as his right. best friend of all time. But I think Leonard Nimoy kind of decried some sort of part of William Shatner, perhaps his pomposity, who knows? <laughs> and and they didn't talk for like the last five oh. years of Nimoy's life. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Which isn't uh, important for the, the impact that they left still right. on each other. Um, I would no, say, though. And, and they were, you know, they were, I mean, they were, uh, they came in together. And I mean, it was funny as Nimoy showed up earlier. We, we recorded some lines with Nimoy before Shatner got there and he walks in and he says, let's, let's hurry up and get this done before Shatner gets here so I can leave. He was just joking, but it was very oh, funny. God. <laughs> oh, God. And then, uh, and then after Nimoy left, we recorded some stuff just with Shatner and Shatner didn't realize it, but like the entire staff, like animators and writers were all watching from this oh, booth. So when he was done, it was like a clown car of all these people coming to the record booth because they wanted to shake his hand and take their picture with him. And, and you could just sort of see this kind of deer in the headlights look in his face as, as person after person. Of course, that must have been a common experience for him. But I mean, he wouldn't go to conventions if he wasn't comfortable right. somewhat no. with right. people liking him for just what he's exactly. done. Right. Um, Right. I mean, the man will probably be at Star Trek Las Vegas again. I, I you it's should amazing. release that in time for that. Are you going to go this year? No. Okay. Well, then I won't see you there. Uh, and have a good time, Jessica. I, I, but but you should. Okay. I I get paid to go, so it's a whole it's yes. a whole different. It's a whole. I don't go to a convention unless I yeah. have to. Uh, well, how do you feel about like the fangirl fanboy culture? Because obviously you're a fan of Shatner, but you're also a creator at the level that brings Shatner in. Like, how do you reconcile also being a fan with something, but being a creative is that I always, I'm afraid of like, well, not afraid. I'm, I feel like I'm a peer, but at the same time, my, the status of my career doesn't, uh, recommend me as one. (laughs) I, I think that, I don't know. I, you don't lose touch with the people who were your influences when you were, 
younger. I, 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 I mean, I, I consider, I just consider myself very lucky that I right. got to do this career and that I've been able to, uh, work in, work on shows and, and comics and things like that, that are connected to right. what my interests were when I was a kid. So, uh, I don't really draw that kind of distinction. Uh, you know, I, I have a job to do, so that's, that's important that I don't just get lost in being a fan. I've got a job to do, but as you know, as you, as you say, as a creative person, you're sort of following that inner voice and trying to do good work and try to say something and, and then, but also getting the joy of working with people who influenced you when you were younger. Right. I think there's a line from, I think it's a John, Father John Misty song where like the actors are pretending that they don't want to be noticed, you know? So like it's half the time you're like, oh, I see this person there and I want to tell them they're great. Right. And, and, but we're afraid to do that. And, but I, but I ag- agree with you that I've, the way I recommend people that are just coming into this career or anything that they love, honestly, if, if you do follow your true north, um, you're going to start meeting the people that you looked up to if you're true about it. If you're like, I believe you have longevity in this career when you're a good person. I'd like to, I'd like to assume that that's the case. Yeah. I don't know that that's true, but I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think you, you have to be, all you can do is be true to yourself. And, uh, like, I think there's plenty of bad people who have longevity in this career, but I, but, uh, but I think you can't, the, the more important thing is you can't compare yourself to anyone else. You can't, that that's the hardest thing is is as you say what's your true north what is it you want to be doing that's uh that's the important keeping, thing keeping your eyes on your own paper which exactly. is a terrible segue to talk about a, a, I love that keeping school. your eyes on your own paper I haven't heard that in such a long time Isn't that so nice um <laughs> especially as someone who <laughs> Did you make that up as a as a thing to say about or have you heard that somewhere I've heard it somewhere it it was something that was helpful to me when one of the main things I was concerned about was what people thought about me or whether mm-hmm. I compared or not. Um, and it, it, it stuck. One, like one of my early insecurities was, I, what is Sam saying about me? And I, right. am I good enough? Or Right. And if I'm just working on the things I like and bring in the people I like. Right. Right. It, it does help. It does mitigate some of that asshole brain shit that happens like if, and that's partly why i keep busy too the busier i am the less my brain has a chance to take over and tell me <laughs> i'm not good enough well i mean i think i what's interesting there is i think it's something di- slightly different which is you're busy with things that that creatively fulfill you so in that moment you're in touch with your not to be not to pontificate, but with your inner artist and that that's where, so it's not, you're, you're having a positive creative experience with whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and And that's fulfilling. Right. And the rest of the time, the skeptic is there telling you you're no good or whatever. And, but when you're doing it, you're, you're, you're in it and you're having that positive experience. I think, I think that's a great way to look at it. I, I don't, not to, like, because I love making this podcast about me. It's one of my favorite things. But um, 
I looked at my life as a series of overcoming obstacles as opposed to accomplishments. Everything should have stopped me. I didn't get that role or mm-hmm. I, I didn't get into that school or whatever. Right. And and whereas that might discourage somebody, I had crippling stage fright, but right. I loved getting on stage. And right. the second I was there, it was gone. So some sort of drive, which I, that's the reason I'm saying that is perhaps the feeling of being in it overrode the stress of getting into yeah, it. Yeah, well, you're connected in that moment to that inner child or who, who wants to perform or wants to create or play or whatever that is. In that moment, that that's where you're connected and you're not thinking about anything else. So, so something I do is improv and we do um, long-form improv. So we would do I, – I met people from Roddenberry because I did an improvised Star Trek So we would learn the style and the format. We created our own characters. So in a sense, we were writing, but in the moment, I can't, for the fucking life of me, sit down and write even like a treatment. So are you feeling like you're in your flow when you're writing? Is that like creative fulfilling? Because I also hear everyone lament the experience of writing. Yeah, writing's really hard. I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's hard to. Silence the skeptic who's who's in your head telling you your ideas are no good or you're not funny or whatever it is. Right. Uh, and you you really do need to to connect. You have a I have a big fear of finishing finishing a script. So I've actually started writing. I outline my scripts and I've actually started writing backwards. I write the last scene first and then the scene before it and then the scene before it. And it I that's a new thing I just started doing this year. And it's it's still not easy, but it's a lot easier than what I faced when I started from the beginning. Now, in that situation, the script has to be detailed, outlined. You can't You have you to know you're not trying to discover on the right, route. Right. Yeah. But um but I have to say that has done a lot for me. That that you know, so you learn these learn these things, um, but there are just these sort of moments where you're writing, and it feels good, and it feels fun, and it feels, you know, and then often you'll read it the next day and it's garbage. But in that moment <laughs> when you're writing it, it feels it feels good. You know, it's a it's a flow state. It's um, yeah. it, like you know they even talk about how gamers have it. Like if you're you're in a meditative state when you're in jamming with a band. And I think you can hit that with writing too. I'm well, sure. it's also athletes too, I think have that same thing too. So, oh, you know. totally. And these are things yeah. we learned. We, we learned a, a, a thing called second circle, which is, I, it also relates to this state that you're talking about. Um, it's hard. First circle is like, I'm standing against the wall. I'm a wallflower. I'm nervous. I don't talk to anybody. Kind of like, right. um, what's the character in uh, the one who dresses up as Marie Curry in your movie? Oh, Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, like like Kennedy, which is an amazing right. name. And then you have like the outgoing, over, like roller coaster person, you know, right. at third circle. But when you're in second circle, you're in a flow state. And you can affect others and get them into that right. flow state. And one of the things she taught us was um, when a Olympian, Olympic athlete, starts to doubt whether they're good. Gabby, not Gabby, um, who was the um, gymnast who had who had to stop competing this last summer? Oh, yeah. God, I'm blanking on her name. 
Isn't that uh, unfortunate? I know, who, I know who you mean, but go ahead. So she had, you know, the twisties. Her brain started telling her she's not going to be able to compete well. And normally they need to quarantine those people because that mental state can affect the rest right. of the athletes. Wow. Um, it, it was a really cool thing that we actually did talk about on this podcast, like talking about mental health. It, it, it didn't stop her from being a great athlete. It stopped her from being able to compete. Um, so, yes. I love I love I love that we can align on how art <laughs> feels. It feels yeah. pretty nice. It it's nice. It's also kind of. Have you ever read um, "You're a Badass" by Jen Sincero? No. Have you ever done "The Artist's Way" by? I have. I'm on that week shit. 11. I'm on week eleven. I love it. Is that where you learn to go backward? No, no. The backward thing was was something I. No, I, I came up with that before because I was well, was when we were shooting Honor Society, oh. and we were shooting it, and I at the time had also at the same time uh, gotten to write a freelance episode of Futurama, which is coming back next year. Right, 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 right. And so I had, I was on set all day, and I was like, I've got to get this script done. I can't. I can't do the usual bullshit that I do when I'm writing where I waste a lot of time and finally write something. I need to be more organized. So I started all these things that I'd heard. So, for instance, I'd heard something called a Pomodoro. Do you know what that is? I know a Pomodoro is a tomato. Uh, right. Well, there's also a Pomodoro is a thing that you do where you set a clock for 20 minutes and you don't do anything else for that 20 minutes except whatever it is, whatever the, the task thing. is. And that worked. But then I was also like, okay, I have this fear of finishing. Well, I have the outline. I wrote the outline. I know how it ends. I'm just going to write the ending. And I started writing the ending. And it, it was like, I wrote it like that. And then I wrote, well, I'll write the scene before it. And I, and suddenly I was moving a lot faster than I usually do to get a draft done. It was still, the script, script still took a lot of time. and uh, But I was able to really give it uh I, I was really able to overcome some of my obstacles. So that's why I bring up Jensen Chero. You discovered for yourself something she talks about is find out where you stop, what stops you. And so the fact right. that you know finishing stops you, it's hard right. to accept that, right? Like right. what does fear of success mean? Isn't that what I want? Then why am I stopping myself? But basically, you, and then she says, then give your step th yourself the steps to get out of those obstacles that yeah. prevent you or like what. So that's just very right. impressive. Good job. I'm oh, proud thanks. of you. <laughs> I'm going to try that now because why not? Try it. I mean, you have to outline. You have to have a, a detailed outline. That, right. That I would never tell anybody to write backwards without an idea. Without I, that, I, I mean, I think there's probably somebody who could do it, but I, you know, much much it worked well for me because I had the outline. So. Having the idea and not writing hasn't worked for me, so something else has to. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's talk about it. Maybe you can say their names better than I can. Angori Rice? Angauri. Rhymes with flowery. Angauri. And Angauri. is she an American actress? She is Australian. She's Australian. And mm -hmm. Gaten Matarazzo. <laughs> Gaten Matarazzo. Matarazzo, which is, as an Italian, very sad that I, I just know his name is Gaten and that I like. I like Stranger Things enough. And I think I remember us talking about this. Christopher Mintz Plaze was, or Plaze was my first boyfriend. I think he just says Plaze. 
He says plus. Christopher Mintz plus. Christopher Mintz. I I think you corrected me last time, too. Um, He was (laughs) friends with people at El Camino College, and I dated one of his friends for a long time. Uh, and I love his story. He basically, the teacher there got a call from Seth Rogen right. or said, hey, we're looking for a weirdo. Right. And she's like, I got the perfect one. And he, he booked his first job ever for Superbad. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Rags to riches story just became, they wanted to, they were looking for this weird kid. And he's so funny in that movie, but he also, I think he recognizes, you know, he, he, he can't, he still, I think in some way can't believe his career happened that way so that's kind of nice though i like i like a little bit of reference he's a for very that. down-to-earth guy he's very very uh funny sweet and obviously super talented so i don't think you do what he did in this movie if you don't kind of have some awareness of what you are what you bring yeah, to the table right, right uh there was a guy who he books basically every guest star role and i knew him before he started working professionally and the woman that I worked for, she's an acting coach and a commercial actress. And she said, you will book when you stop trying to be the, be the cool guy. And he got pissed because he's a dorky looking dude. And he was pissed and he like never came to class. And then six months later he called her and said, I just booked my first job. I went in as the quirky scientist and he hasn't stopped working since because he's a fucking weird looking dude. And he had to accept that he wasn't always going to play Right. You know, it, it doesn't, we don't, we live in a world where, yes, like casting directors are really only going to see the surface level, but then you, right. people start to get to know you. Um, right. But you can't, you can book if you live in your wheelhouse. Right. So the reason why I said like what he did, he, did you guys just let him riff when he was doing like, hey guys, here's this, here's this, the uh, flyer to my show. Yeah, and, that, that scene, he came in with. I mean, he came in with some material that was his. And uh, so th- those sequences really were, that one sequence, I didn't write. He he he, he had written that stuff. So that I could great. tell. But in, in, a, in, a, in the way that you, it makes sense that that's what's happening. Because you want it to be sort of authentic that he's being rejected in the moment. Right, or, right, right. right. Oh, there's, so the reason why I want to, I think this is a great, not only did I want to have you on this podcast anyway, this is a podcast where, for the most part, we're supposed to explore generations. And um, okay. and my co-host has a baby, a new baby, so he's oh. not here. So I get to talk to you. That's, like, the benefit of that. Um, this is a perfect seg- – this is a perfect movie to talk about generations because I, I didn't know if it would appeal to me. And I've been asking friends if they're getting marketed it because we're at the generation just above what this market might be. Uh-huh. And some people aren't getting marketed it, but I I was. So I was excited before I even knew it was your movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How, how did you tap into that generation so well? Is really like that's like my only question I have for you, honestly. Well, I mean, the, so it takes place in high school. I guess you should say that for your audience. It does. Honor Society is about uh, <laughs> a-, a, a, a young lady who. Right is just perfect and on her way to potentially Harvard if she can make three people fail their midterms in so many right. words. Right. And uh, she's doing everything she can to get out of this miserable town, which I relate to so much as someone from Chatsworth. Right. Right. <laughs> I wanted to get out of that fucking town so bad, but I didn't want to do it via, you know, right. uh, honor society stuff. Right. I, I just was like, I'll be an actor. It'll be fine. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. 
It, it, it did work. Yeah. And now I'm in, I'm in LA, so not too far. Um, so, uh, I wrote it seven years ago and really, yeah. And at that. the time I, um, so I, at the time I, I sold the idea, the one line idea, I don't want to give it away cause it's, it involves a, uh, a twist, but there was basically, I sold to, uh, the guys who were just started the guy who just started awesomeness television which does now does pen 15 a lot of other stuff gotcha um but at the time it was going to be a youtube channel um and they were going to do movies and the guy who started getting brian robbins i had done uh these fred movies with fred was the first youtube star i don't know if you remember him but he had, hi, it's me, Fred, high-pitched voice. And he had did all these videos that were I don't know, huge. but I'll have to look it up. You have to look it up. And then I did, we did two movies. I did two movies adapting his YouTube character into movies that then aired on Nickelodeon. Uh, and Brian wow. produced those. And so I sold to Brian this idea for, he was doing high school stuff for awesomeness. So I said, what about this? And he said, that sounds great. So at the time... My daughter was a senior in high school. So uh, a lot of the movie is kind of a, um, you know, she was leaving. She's she's grown up and she's also struggling with the whole college thing. And so I was really trying to, I was writing the movie in a way to uh, connect to her, but also connect back to my own feelings. I mean, I went to high school. Uh, I was oh, in high school. She- that's yeah, just, yeah. Wow. You see, see, you don't actually forget high school even when you're <laughs> in your fifties. You don't forget, you know. No. So there's a lot of me in the script. There's a lot of my daughter. There's some of my wife. There's a lot of, you know. So there was it was a way to write something where I could uh, talk to my daughter and, like, so for instance, there's a character Kennedy who you mentioned earlier who wears historical costumes. So basically. I had asked my daughter, tell me about like a, 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 a girl in your school who's, who's sort of offbeat, who does something people think is weird. And she said, well, there's this girl who shows up in historical costumes oh, that she my makes herself. God. So that's based on a real person. I don't want to say their name. But nope. anyway, but and then that led to other things that happened in the movie in terms of the, the costuming and the play and what happens there. That that conversation with my daughter led me down this road and I knew I wanted to include um, a play. Like I knew the theater was going to somehow play some role in that. Cause I always, I wanted to do like a play within the play. Like there's a play in the movie that reflects the story of the movie. And I'm I mean, really, Shakespeare really... at it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's the greatest thing you can, it's, it's a great thing to do. Right. And that it's was my inspiration. It was, it was, it was Shakespearean. Uh, I was, and I, cause I remember that from high school. I remember learning about that, learning about the play within the play in Hamlet in high school. And so I was sort of reflecting that as well. So, so, you know, you, as a writer, you're can, always connecting to your inner self and you want it to feel authentic and connecting to real emotions and the emotional journey that honor goes on is a, is a journey that, um, everybody needs to go on which is understanding that being vulnerable is not a weakness. Yeah. I, I think what I, I particularly loved about it and what's sticking with me is um, 
everything that you set us up to think about her was twisted in ju- in the in the perfect believable way. Right. When you well, that, expect right. certain things to happen, they happen, but not in the way you expect them to. Right. Well, that, so there's a way in which this movie too is a comment is my point of view about high school movies. So high school movies, probably the one that I hate the most that is also it's considered a classic is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's not a re- in my mind. You hate it. Real, I don't think there's a real moment in that whole movie. It's obviously a great movie. It's incredibly. But no uh, way this kid has. Well, I mean, somebody, one of the Family Guy writers pointed this out. Like, they go up to a baseball game on that one day. You go to a baseball game, that's the whole day. <laughs> you don't have time to go to a parade. You don't have time to go. Like, they go to a baseball game for a scene in the movie, but it's like, I think it was Alex Elkin who pointed out, that's the whole day. That's four hours. <laughs> To go to a baseball game. It's so, so, like, it's so true. That, <laughs> so and to it's me, not, it's not daytime when you leave right. either. Right. It's all the thing was so, so to me, for instance, I, I always had a problem with obviously it's a, it's a great wish fulfillment. And that's what I think Ferris Bueller's why it's so, why it is good. I hate it, but it's a, it's a great movie. I'm not, I'm separating those two things. We, I we recognize, I the- recognize that Ferris Bueller is a great film. Yes, I, 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 hate, I know what I know what I you're saying. Hate it. I hate <laughs> it. Uh, um, so that, that's a hot take, David. <laughs> it's a hot take. So I I'm also I came I was a little old for the John Hughes movies. Like they didn't I wasn't in high school. I was an adult when they came out. So they didn't quite hit me, I think, the way they, they hit a lot of people. I still have never seen The Breakfast Club. Um, that's interesting. So my I know, father's people, just yeah, a little bit older than you, and he was hugely impacted by those movies. Wait, who who was my father? He's your dad. 60s. Your dad. Yeah. So I mean, I, I for some reason I I miss them, even even if not even if it's not an age. Wow. Um, but um, so I I don't like hearing that your father and I are the same age. That, that no, we're, that, you're not. Yeah. He's older than you. <laughs> oh not no, much. I was very. Sounds like, by very much. He's at least 65. Oh, right. I also have younger uh, parents, to be fair. That's they fine. Were on the, they it's were on the fine. We can side. just get right past that. So I'm, anyway. You know what? I'll delete that. I won't, but I will. <laughs> no, leave it in. I don't mind. I'm not afraid of that. So um, so the movie Honor Society is starting from a place of you think this is going to be some kind of cross between uh, Clueless and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like that was also intentional. Like that you Got feel it. like she's this character who is in charge of her universe. And she's and almost from the beginning, you realize she doesn't have that kind of power. Like when he says, You're in my top four choices. Right. Right there, you know, right up to that moment, you think she's she's running everything, she's got it all, and it's like and then she is kind of shaken. She's she's like, Okay, that was a setback. I I mean you know, she's and and to me that that was what this movie was was playing against what the audience's expectations were for her relationship with Michael for her the friends that she makes and and all those other things um, those the idea was playing on an audience's expectation of what this kind of movie is, which is I think that's why I can't stop thinking about it. She without spoiling it, she gets exactly what she deserves. In the in in exactly the way we didn't expect her to, right? 
Um, and I said to you, it do- this has potential in my mind to be Gen Z's share. I really do think so. Well, we'll see, won't we? Only well, the t- only time will tell. We can't control that, but I, I think. I have to- but like, also, you just tapped into a really lovely young woman too, and you wrote her with a lot of honesty. I'm sure you did. You not? I'm sure. I want to ask honestly: Did you have people like going, "Oh, this is the common nomenclature. This is like what they say. Here's the vernacular." Or did you also intimate that? Well, I mean, I wrote the. I I tried to write the characters honestly. I listened to people who had uh, feedback. Feedback. I also asked. I mean, again, and I, but I also was imitating. You know, I I was around my daughter and her friends, and I sort of saw how she. She uh, and her friends related and there was kind of the patter that they have um, and that I was trying to imitate that with honor and her friends. And um, but then you're just really writing people. Honestly, you're not like trying to create uh, not having them say they're not using my references. I, I would research music and things like that to make it like things that they would be talking about or how they would talk, but it was really more just trying to trying to write honestly. I th- but I think that that is what comes across. I guess what I mean is like if you wrote this seven years ago, it obviously had to go through a couple of updates in order to be for today, or am I wrong about well, that? Well, seven years is not that long. <laughs> I mean, what, what, like, what do you think was so current? Well, the, I mean, I Billie mean, Eilish and the music. Yeah, I don't, I mean... The, you mean, uh, I keep on falling in love with you, that song, or? No, no. I mean, like, so she's like, um, her her pop culture references in right. order. Um, oh, you mean like the, on the wall? Like the pictures yeah, on the wall? Yeah, that's well, what I, I mean. I, like... I didn't. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. I, I did put some pictures. But the director at that moment, yes, the director in direct, decorating her room made some changes yeah it's like this is probably what she's gonna listen to yes, or whatever absolutely right yeah, yeah yeah here's my big question well no it's a it's a it's a spoiler and i don't want it to be when she goes oh you didn't know it was this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did was my that always joke. what it was going to be my, always my favorite joke in the musical is the in the, in the movie uh was that like i was writing the script and at some point i wanted to write a song i didn't uh and so that that thing that you're talking about that yes you know was around me wanting to try and write a song it's songs not in the movie uh we got a real <laughs> songwriter to write something uh but i wrote i did write it's in the script is that oh you didn't my know version. that this was this and uh um so yeah no that was just a fun a fun thing to sort of elevate the whole theater piece of it so and in a way, it's Shakespearean as well because of how much right. songs are in in there. Yeah, that's, why, right. that's a spoiler. Well, no, we're talking. It doesn't about matter. Songs. And we'll see. Well, I think people won't. I don't think people will know what we're talking about. So. That's fair. It it was surprising and exciting. Um, yeah. Well, also that sequence. I think that's the one thing in the movie. One the one of two things in the movie, that, I mean, one of the things you're talking about is. Um, Christmas Plus handing out the flyers. That really wasn't, I didn't write that. And I didn't, this sequence that we're talking about, which is towards the end of the movie, I really had 
very little to do with I, I I had the idea for it and the the subject of it was mine but that was uh, director and choreographer and all, all these people doing something that that is just phenomenal and it, and it really does work because I always go oh no especially if it's music like right. I really feel like we should delete the reboot of Mary Poppins because they really failed because <laughs> you don't make a Mary Poppins movie without a one single memorable song. Right. Right. Which well, is, they made impossible. it. You don't have to delete it. Nobody remembers it. So exactly. Exa- I think about it often. Cause I'm like, how did, how did this happen? Yeah. And no one's, no one had one hummable. I think it was, I don't remember the name of the music, uh, the musical writer, but like, he won't start writing a song unless he hears his daughter singing it three days later. Oh, like that's he, interesting. It, like he wants, you need the earworm, you need the hook. And so the surprise of what it was, was incredible. And then that it was also good was, was a payoff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's our, our composers and lyricists and, uh, I, uh, yeah. I was offended when you said that theater was for the strange people, but there was some, validation but, no no but but that's not what i said well okay help, help me i said the quote and that and then and then there that again if you stay with the movie it's clear that that that's not how this character feels uh but at the moment she says theaters the theater club where people go where they're not accepted anywhere else and that is something that i think for a lot of kids is true that the arts save uh, outcast people who feel like they're outcasts. Like you yeah. go and join the theater club when you when you don't play sports, when you're not a musician, when uh, when you're not a cheerleader, when right. you're not well, all those things. You can go to the theater club <laughs> and you will be embraced, and you can and you will have an outlet. So even though she says it in a snarky way, I think there's some truth to it. I think. The, the arts save uh, outcasts. Yeah, that's a. Be- I think that's a t- timeless sentiment that ev- I can relate to. That the first yeah, time sure. I was at a theater camp, I yeah. went, "Holy shit, these are people I recognize." Right. I also was in bowling club too, so <laughs> <laughs> it was a little too on the nose for me. Um, but I was so outcast that my only friend was the drama teacher <laughs> at right. one point. <laughs> But you had the friend of the drama teacher. I did have that friend <laughs> it, it, until he hit on me after I graduated. And then oh, that changed. Oh, I know, I know. But that also relates to a little bit of what <laughs> she's fucking dealing with in the movie too. Right, which right. isn't an unbelievable circumstance that she's in. No, well, I mean, again, that I, I, I did. I gave the script to a, a writer friend, a woman who, who was relaying you know, I made some changes. Uh, there's a speech that he says later, something about you're, you know, you're 17 on the outside, but 30 on the inside. Mm-hmm. That was something that this writer friend of mine said, a teacher said to her when she was in high yeah. school, when he was hitting on her. Jesus. And, you know, so trying to, trying to make that real and awkward and, and awful, um, uh, you know, that was important to me too, was that, you know, that, that, make make that believable i mean i think that that and and awful i mean he he ends up being kind of a real villain of the movie he really does uh i mean 
you set him up to not be likable to begin with. Right. So, and that is helpful because then we have like a shared antagonist because I'm sure you know this about women and and young women, especially having a daughter. Um, We feel pitted against each other often Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to wanting, women build, you know, it doesn't, men can do this too, but women are builders of cultures and family and homes. And I was raised to look at every other woman as my competition. Interesting. And also mostly for men, not for careers. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I, my point of view on it is I, I'm always envious of women's abilities to make friendships, make deep friendships. So especially my wife as someone who has a lot of close friends and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm envious of her ability to do that. And, and that was sort of what I was saying in the movie too, was that when, when kids, when people let their guards down, they can, they can make those, those friendships. But that I, I didn't, I didn't have that. That's a very interesting thing. Uh, Insight that I didn't have in, in writing the script. The well, but I still can get up. that out. That I can get that out of that is is it's there whether because well it was there it's there it's there at the beginning with Talia and Emma uh, right yeah I I did do that I did do that and uh, but like that it's was also just societal you, like whether you know what the deep root of it is right. it's still societal and well and I had actually seen now that you're reminding me when I wrote that I had seen competition between my daughter and her friends for guys and and uh so so i probably uh that probably influenced me but i wasn't aware of it so i didn't know it was i didn't know it was a bad thing like i didn't know that women were could be equal because i just knew that society was just like oh this is what the man like i i fit into the societal role very well because i was trained into it right um and unfortunately friendships with women suffered because I wasn't trustworthy of them. Right. Now, as an adult, I have deep the deepest relationships I have are are with women and then I right. then I had to learn how to trust men. <laughs> so right. it was a whole different right. bag of worms, which this yeah. movie doesn't help with a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little. Well, I mean, you can't you can't like you can't broad stroke. <laughs> and, well, no, but I mean, any any uh, any uh, excursion into uh, the internet, uh, you're you're going to see thousands of incidences of men being untrustworthy, especially right. towards women. So, right. so it's it, it's such a culture, it's such a male culture thing, and uh, uh, so to me that that piece of it. You know that just that's just a, just a truth there. That's uh, but it really also gets down to unless you love yourself, you really can't be loved. So, and that being hurt is okay, and right. being let down is okay, especially if you do have other things going on or you do have self esteem. Well, yeah, it's just understanding. You know, yeah, understanding what it's about. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know that this would have landed on me if I was her age when I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. But looking back and watching this movie, a it was never uncomfortable. Sometimes when it's like rom commy, I'm always like, just 
Meet up. Just just kiss up. Like, you know, I can't watch Serendipity. It's one of my guy friend's favorite films of all time. And every time they miss each other on the fucking elevator, I want to puke. <laughs> it's so annoying. So this never made me uncomfortable, but it did make me just right. reflect on some things I had been through, too. Mm-hmm. What would you want people to walk away with overall? Or, like, what would you say, like, the... I know you said, like, vulnerability is part of it, but, like, what's, like, your little... Your little secret to yourself well, about this. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever thought about it. I think, um, you know, I, I think... Um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the vulnerability thing, that that's a really important message. That that idea of, like, if you're going to keep your guard up and not not sort of let people see you for who you are, you're, you're going to be missing out on a life well-lived. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that's a, and it's a struggle. It's not something I do easily. And it, but to me that that's a really good message to send. And that, um, you know, that then, then it's up to you. It's up to you to sort of look inward and, and figure out, you know, who you want to be, what you want to do. And so I think that that, I'm a big proponent of looking inward and, and taking responsibility for who you are and that, uh, that can really help you, I think in your life. And so that, that's my takeaway, but, but also I, I, I hope there are things in the movie, like the things you connected to getting out of your town, like getting away from where you're brought up. Like that's something I wanted, you know, I think it's very common. Um, and I think that that, and that understanding why, like, why did I want to leave? What was it that I was trying to change? What was it that I wanted? Um, but also to me, uh, watching and gallery and Gaten and the other actors, uh, Amy plays Kennedy and Travis Armani who plays Travis and, and then Gary, uh, you know, Ben Jackson Walker's unbelievable. He's going to be on Broadway. Oh, I can uh, imagine. This fall. Yeah. He's um, it's getting to see those. You, you hope that like people watch and they can identify like, Oh, that's just like me or, Oh, that's just like my friend or whatever. That, that, that's what I hope is that there's an identification going on. I mean, I had, I just got chills with that because a, you're so right. The cast alone recommends the movie. Because right. everyone's so good at yeah. what they're doing, right. and it's not a parody, right? It, but right. it's it's just a little heightened. And yeah. I, I I had um you're so I didn't realize it was Ferris Bueller. I just have been noticing a lot of fourth wall breaking since Fleabag has come out. Like it hadn't right. been used for a while, and right. then pe- people started doing it with the Enora. Uh, what is it? You know what I'm talking about. Sherlock, Enora, Sherlock, oh, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enola. Enola, Enola. Enola thank you. Enola. Did um, she break the fourth wall? I haven't watched that. Is she it? does, which, yeah. which is 75% successful, if you mm-hmm. ask me. She's okay. almost a good enough actress to, to pull it off. But, but like, it's no slight on her. It's a tough thing to get. Right. To make work. You know, I and forgot they, that they they, when do. I wrote when I wrote this, the inspiration was House of Cards. I never watched it. Yeah. So 
So I forgot, I forgot that I was doing that. The pitch was house of cards in high school. Holy manoli cannoli. Yes. And so that I, I watched house of cards and I was watching what I loved about house of cards is breaking the fourth wall while someone's still standing there. Like, and that happens a lot in this movie. And I, and I was completely inspired by that show because I just loved how things would keep going in that show while Kevin Spacey was talking to the camera. Can't talk about Kevin Spacey anymore. And then uh, RIP is what we, R- <laughs> is what we say. But, uh, but that was my inspiration for honor was her like, She'll, she could have these conversations with the audience while someone else is standing right there. That to me was fun. Without, br- and I'm without not sure like missing a beat. And that was not seven years ago. It's been more common now, I feel like, but seven, this was before Fleabag. Although watching Fleabag after I'd written it um, definitely had an influence on me for my sort of final production rewrite because I, I loved Fleabag. I thought it was genius. Oh, so it was so. I even I loved that she wasn't going to do season two, and then she got struck on the the subway to be. Like, oh, I know what it's going to be. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's I didn't know that either. But yeah, she just a, thought it was a one. Like, well, the, the the English are very good at going. I only want to do one or two seasons. Right. Um, and she didn't think that the story needed to be continued, which everyone wanted it. Right. There uh, is a there is something in season two of Fleabag that is connected to this movie. Okay. But I can't say what it is. Well, I will... I could tell you offline. You'll get I want to know. You'll get it immediately. Uh, but but there were there there was uh, homage. Yeah, and it or, must have. When did I? When did Fleabag come out? It was a few years ago. It was right before the pandemic, at least, because she was doing it as like a as performance a piece. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I have to look up Fleabag now. To see I don't blame you. I I guess it just is interesting to see the trend. Like I like you know how like in 1989 there were 17 underwater movies. You right. were in that trend, whether you <laughs> realized it or so, not. All right. So Fleabag came out in 2016. Okay. Oh, I think really? I wrote. Yeah, I wrote it. Well, it came out. Maybe it came out in England in 2016. I don't know when it dropped on. Because I I wrote Honor Society in 2015. Wow. But I probably did some rewrites in 2016, and I might have been influenced by Fleabag. I'm but sure. I, it couldn't have been. No, I must have. It's a good question. I must have done. There's something in there that I feel is connected. I don't know that it was inspired or not now, though, because I, I don't. Anyway, whatever. I think that's not quantifiable, right? Yes. Like, what, how much influences you artistically you wouldn't know what to do artistically if you weren't influenced by something right right and that's okay there's something there's something specific that i'm thinking that's kind of in fleabag but i must have written that before so i don't know i'm so curious well i will know it'll be my little secret your little Um, secret is there anything you want people to keep keep a lookout besides this movie i will definitely um shout it from the heavens you know, uh, uh, yeah, honors. Go watch Honor Society. Uh, I have a, I have a new comic coming out, but it's not coming out now until the end of the year. So, uh, I'm, should I'm we have you back for that? 
Maybe have me back for that. I think but it's not generational. That. It's more sci-fi. So I don't. It doesn't really matter at this point. I just really want to talk to people. Like that's <laughs> like you said. It's it's easy to speak with you. Right. It's easy to hang out. We're similar yeah. nerds. And yeah. you know what I love about doing this too is not only is it like fortifying for me to hear someone else's artistic process. Um, it's nice to connect with someone who thinks about this stuff similarly. Right. And right. see your success because right. that's also bolstering too. Right, right. So I'm happy for you, and it makes well, thank you. It, it only makes me you. feel better. Well, you'll be fine. I'm doing just fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> thank. You. Okay. Okay. Short. Sure. I'm sorry. Uh, well, thank you, David. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> good night, Jessica. Good night. Say good night, Jessica. Good night. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verney merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already consider becoming a patreon member you can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner go to patreon.com slash you don't know nick and if you haven't already leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts see you next week nichols